Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Guy, Nick Mason, Sourceful of Secrets, of which we are um, two-fifths, right? Are, we're going back out on the road in the summer across the UK. We are. We're, it's all of June, so brace yourself. What's it called? It's called the Set the Controls Tour. What a brilliant name. Who do you uh, think could have come up with such a great name for a tour, Gary? I wonder. I think yeah. I'm looking at him, right? But then you I might. did come up with uh, Nick Mason, Sourceful of Secrets. You did. And in fact, that came up in a podcast then because you were inspired by Woody Woodman's U-boat, weren't you? I was, yes. Anyway, anyway, but enough of that. So... Join Nick, Guy, Lee Harris, uh, Don Beacon and me as we celebrate the early years with, you know, that incredible, it's an incredible body of work, isn't it? The early Pink Floyd. It goes up to just before Dark Side of the Moon. It goes up to 1972 with all the film soundtracks, all the Sid stuff, stuff you've never heard, stuff that no one's ever heard, frankly. obviously. Echoes is the big sort of, you know, uh, what is that? What would you call it? Magnum Opus. Yeah, I love a Magnum, don't you? Yeah, I never met Magnum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, tickets are on sale now and you can buy yours at uh, myticket.co.uk. And Kilimanjaro Live presents Nick Mason's Sourceful of Secrets, the Set the Control Tour. Hello, Gary. Hello, Guy. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling very well, thank you for asking. How are you feeling? Yes, good, thank you. been making music of my own here, which has been really nice. And uh, I'm missing you guys. I'm wanting to get together and looking forward to our UK tour in April. Very, very much looking forward to that, Anna. Yeah. In fact, when we do it... It will be pretty much exactly two years to the day from when we were meant to do our first show. Yeah, and also, of course, when I say we're looking forward to our UK tour, I don't mean the rock on tours. I mean, of course, uh, Nick Mason's sorts of secrets. That's right. Yes. Although a rock on tours UK tour wouldn't be a bad thing. Well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Maybe we should think about that. What, what would our listeners think about that? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we've got Miles Kane on today, and I think it's yes. good for us to get people who aren't in their 70s on occasionally. This guy's 35 and he's just made an album about growing old. <laughs> I mean... I know. Oh, that's what, Yeah. He literally says, I can't pretend this is about anyone else anymore. You just want to go, mate. <laughs> but I, I wanted to get Miles on for a while and I spoke to you about it because I really... Yeah. I got introduced to his work with Alex Turner uh, in The Last Shadow Puppets. Actually, through my teenage son. And, and I really love yeah there's two great albums fantastic albums they're really good but he's got a new album out miles a solo album called change the show and i think yeah. we should talk a, quite a bit about that at the beginning and and then because also there's a history of great bands before the shadow puppets isn't there there's a lot to lot to delve into there is and it's this kind of 60s kind of fascination that that he has as well that's really interesting yeah. i wonder where did that come from and Absolutely, yeah. I've got questions about that as well. He's worked with uh, Paul Weller, Ian Brody, uh, Lana Del Rey. Lily Savage. Lily Savage, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Welcome to The Rock on Tours. Okay, guys, I'm ready. This was great, guys. I, I, it's so great to talk to two guys that have done this. Well, it's a big tune for sure. I actually wrote that originally for Tina Turner. Of course, I had gone and found Joni Mitchell down in Florida and brought her back. You know, what people forget about Bowie is that he was such a kind man. I've listened to a few of them and they've been really good, man. I'm sitting in the back of the car coming into London, they're brilliant. I know you're musicians, but you've been more professional than a lot of journalists. Remember me? 
I'm in a band now. <laughs> it's called Roxy Music. You know this thing about the 10,000 hours of experience? Oh, yeah, to get two, good at yeah. something. When we recorded Arnold Lane, we'd done about 50 hours. The Rock Hunters Podcast with Gary Kemp and Guy Pratt. Yay! Thanks, guys. When's it coming out? It's Friday. That's it's all right. coming out. Great. Yeah. Great, cool. And um, yeah, so, and so it's basically you did it with your neighbours. You basically re-recorded the whole thing. Yeah, basically, I did. I'd, I'd recorded um, the January before. I'd, I had these sort of really posh demos, and they sounded really good. And we went into a studio and we sort of finessed them, and they sounded good. And you know, I guess maybe slightly more modern or polished or whichever way you want to call it. And then Dave and Oscar, the two lads that ended up producing it and playing drums and bass. I'd known them for a couple of years. They're about 10 years younger than me and I'd always see them knocking about and stuff and they'd pester me to come and have a jam and come and see their studio and stuff. And I'd always, to be honest, I'd kind of back them off. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, okay, whatever, lads, whatever. They've got, they've got a band as well, Sunglasses for Jaws. Sunglasses for Jaws, yeah. Yeah, and then I, they, they sent me a couple of tunes of theirs and I was kind of really impressed. It's it's quite avant-garde, isn't it? But it's it's, it's like soundtracky and yeah. there's no vocals, but as, as songs or ideas and it's cinematic, it did sort of strike a chord with me. So anyway, we went down and I did, I had this new tune called Tell Me What You're Feeling, which is a bit of a Northern Soul sort of style of song. And we did a demo of it and it just sounded great. He sent to my manager and he was like, this sounds amazing. Got home, was just playing it on repeat and it had this bit of rawness about it and a bit of something that I think I've been trying to do for a while, really. Just it had this sort of fun element as well. And so I ended up re-recording everything else and just and doing a couple of new songs and it kind of... Uh, I was glad for it, to be honest. With them and and the fabulous Zhao Melo. Oh, do you know Zhao? I've toured with him. I've played in Brazil with him. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, so it's not a guest we have on where Guy has him <laughs> at some connection with I mean, go. Zhao played sax for David Gilmore on the right, 2016 yeah, of course tour. He did, yeah. And he was brilliant. You know, big shoes, man. And he was fantastic. I mean, as a musician, it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. I mean, those kids, yeah. man, are like, they wipe the floor with me. You don't even need to show them. You know, they're like those yeah, twats. Yeah. They can just listen and they're playing. And I'm like, my God, that took me about a week. Because <laughs> yeah. this album's got more sort of horns on it as well. It's much more Northern Soul as well, of Motown kind of vibe I mean still harking back to the 60s which I know you love yeah yeah and Joao did all the sax and the horns on it yeah. as well man it was um, he, he was like the wonder boy on this record on, on that stuff and it was the, from compared to the last record that kind of was a bit more glam rocky and a bit more you know on yeah. the heavier side and a little bit punk as well and on this one there was this sort of idea beforehand it was kind of like I wanted to put the makeup and the jumpsuits down and, and get the suit back out, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, but do you have a thing? Because what's great is, and this goes all the way through your career, is there's such a statement on every album. And is that just where you're at at the time or you decide, no, we're going Serge Gainsbourg on this one? Or, you know... It, it is where I'm at. And then where whether it's clothes or music, I get kind of obsessed with... It's got to be that look the whole time or it's just kind of... Um, I love that. It's just where I'm at. It's like a little postcard of your life in it at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's quite interesting because I do listen, I'm listening to your music and even the stuff you did with The Last Shadow Puppets, you know, there's, you're playing characters. And I think yeah. we all do that on the street. Even people, as a kid growing up, not being a musician, 
you're playing characters, aren't we? We're, we're dressing up. Clothes turn you into a different kind of person, whether it's a mod or whether whoever your soul boy or whatever it might be. A hundred percent, mate. You know what I mean? They, they can give you that boost. They can accentuate what you want to say almost, can't they? You know what I mean? Sometimes it can go too far and I can look back and I go, oh my God. But um, it, In it, the it, early days of Spandau Ballet, I suppose, other than actually being Robin, Robin Hood down Tesco. <laughs> you the expert, you know, I've been all the way to the edge. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's fucking great that though, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, going to that edge and having a peep over is good now and again, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I think what I was leading on to is... How do you find Miles Kane in there? You know, how do you know when you're actually not doing a sort of version you want to be, but something that's getting closer to your heart? Yeah, I guess the, the way I feel right now, and I think when I hit, I'm 35, when I hit 30, I, I did feel a sort of transition happening as a person and with myself. And I think, you know, if I look back at my 20s and stuff, I feel like a completely different guy in a sense. Do you know what I mean? I think... And I think that having that sort of awareness or something that was quite endearing to sort of delve in and try and figure out these things, whether it's good or bad, I think I've, I've put it into the writing quite heavily on this record. And I found that a very comfortable place to be. And I enjoyed the lyrics, writing the lyrics so much on this record, I think. Well, because you've said, haven't you, that you mm. couldn't, you got to a point where you realised you couldn't say you were writing about someone else. You had to, to admit that this yeah, was you. Yeah, totally, exactly. Yeah. I, I, there's no sort of hiding behind it being it's him or it's that. It is coming from an I perspective, you know. But I really love the, uh, the opening track, Tears Are Falling, and mm. there's a lot of sort of you admitting yeah. <laughs> to, well, kind of looking back on yourself and thinking, yeah. you know, who are you kidding at times? But, I mean, did that have anything to do with you sort of leaving L.A. and because and, you were living there for a while and coming back to England? Yeah, probably, mate. Probably that and a bit before that. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's, there's definitely been... Yeah, I mean, in that song, it lays out pretty clear. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, you when you've been younger or whatever, you have acted the fool or you act the clown or the joker. And, and sometimes it's just you get to a point, don't you, where actually that's making me cringe now. Do you know what I mean? I'm all right to sort of admit that, you know? I don't really... That doesn't make me feel uncomfortable or anything. Yeah, but at the same time, we do want our stars to be like stars. <laughs> yeah. To be doing stuff we don't do. Exactly. So there's, there's definitely... I totally agree with you, mate. You know what I mean? It's like, you know... Oh, it's so hard to explain, but... The, there's a middle ground there, in it, and I, and that's what I mean. I think it's like I don't have no regrets because I've, I've loved, you know, when you, you first coming out and you're doing what you do in those first ten years, you know, you get introduced to the beautiful people and you've got a bit of money and it's like why not go and absolutely have it, you know what I mean? It's like I have, have no regrets at all, man, with that. Because there's something you said about your time in L.A. Because there was, there's uh, something I so absolutely recognised. I had two yeah. years living in L.A. Mm. at the end of the eighties, and it was mental. And it was doing all that. I was living in the hills. I was playing all these big records. And it was, and I only came home because I had to come home for a friend's wedding. And I, and you're, it's so seductive when you're there. It's all so seductive, and you're thinking this is it. I'm living the dream and everything. Yeah. And I remember sitting on the plane, still on the runway, about to take off, and sort of looking behind me and going. Fuck was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I can sit here now. Of course, you were awake yeah. for most of it, weren't you? It's not like one long day, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't think I slept for three years. Yeah. When I was there. 
<laughs> yeah, mate, I totally know that feeling. It kind of made sense at the time. I was, uh, it was like my late 20s, and uh, it was before we made that second Puppets record, and I had no ties in London. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of a bit like, if I didn't do it then, I don't think I'd ever would have done it. And, uh, and it, you know, it was good. We made that record there, which was a great record. I made my last record Brilliant, there. Brilliant, great so. record. And also, you hung out with Lana Del Rey, didn't you? sang yeah. on her last album. I mean, we wrote a tune on my last record called Loaded together. And then during that period as well, we wrote a lot of tunes. And they still kind of need finishing off. But that Dealer song was always the most unique song. And that is the original demo, what she did. And... Um, when she said, oh, I want to use it on my record, I thought she'd do more to it, but she kept it really raw. And, uh, You're singing the leads, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I open it up, and then she takes it to an, uh, an amazing place where I don't think anyone's ever heard to sing like that, really. When she takes it up and she's, like, screaming, it, it, it reminds me a bit of, like, Nielsen, you know, I can't live, uh, live in it. It gives me that same emotion, you know, that high note that uh, it's, it, it's quite powerful. Because you seem to, almost like a, not a conscious thing, but you seem to just sort of fall into collaborations a lot, don't you? Yeah. Is it, yeah, it's, is it's, it just it's you meet of, people, like them, go, let's do a song? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm always up for trying something, do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, and anything that's happened in that scenario, whether they be famous or well-known or whatever, has just, it has happened or the opportunities arisen and I'll give it a day and see and sometimes you know you get a relationship and you'll write a load and it works not be an ongoing thing or sometimes it doesn't but and it's funny sometimes I can be hesitant because it's out of your comfort zone isn't it you know and, it, and, and it's sort of it's that thing of starting something again with someone but I will always give it a go just so I don't really have any resentment towards myself Miles I mean we'll get back <laughs> onto the new album in a minute but yeah I mean I'm just fascinated. I mean, talk us through how you meet Lana Del Rey and how you end up writing with her and end up going into the studio. It was in LA and Jamie T was playing, he was over there. He was doing a little acoustic gig. So me and him are mates, we've done tunes together. So I just went to go and see him play in this little bar. And then she was there at the bar. We got a chat in and I was kind of in awe because I'm a fan of her, you know what I mean? And she knew who I was which was mad. Then we started chatting. She said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, me and Jamie are going to, um, we're doing some writing. She did my apartment, you know, this week he's staying for a bit and we're hanging out. And she's like, oh, can I come over and listen? And we thought nothing of it. We swapped numbers. The next day, me and him did a bit of writing, going to get a coffee or whatever. We're walking back up the hill and then the, <laughs> it's no text, FaceTime, Lana, straight in like a b badass and she's like hey and I'd be like wow, wow probably went a bit red or something <laughs> and then you know what I mean like hey Lana yeah and then uh, we and then oh, hi Lana <laughs> yeah 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 definitely went off you know yeah. I remember being called once I was just pushing my kid out to get to school and I went uh, we would go to a play centre thing and the phone rang and this isn't a one up shit but I just wanted to say and the phone rang and I, I went yeah get out of the door get your shoes on get your shoes on phone rang hello hi it's David Bowie Oh, shit. And he was, this is years ago, he was inviting me to an art exhibition and I could yeah. hear my voice change. It just went into this <laughs> character I didn't know and I hated myself. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Just started sweating and started speaking falsetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so anyway, that was it. Me and Jamie were like, wow, what the fuck? And then she came round, man. And then that was, um, we wrote the tune Loaded together. And then me and Air had this period, probably for about a month or two, where we just be writing tunes and we did a load of tunes 
And, and that dealer came out of one of those sessions that she used, yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. On the new album as well, you've done a, a duet with uh, Corin Bailey Ray, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And that, that was you both drinking separately at home? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I had a few wines. I was like Judy Garland in the kitchen, swanning around <laughs> <laughs> with a fag and a white wine, whatever. And then, um... <laughs> I love that Judy Garland in the kitchen, man. Yeah, that is such a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I get. Yeah. And then... Um... I take it you live on your own, right? <laughs> Proper. And then no, it's she... like Judy, there's the two kids desperately hanging on. To... <laughs> and then one of her songs came on, I just texted her, and then um, it, we kind of rekindled her friendship because she sang like the BBs in harmonies on my first solo record, Colour of the Trap, so we've been mates for a long time. I know what life's like, a few years went by, we didn't speak, so... That's how it came about, and she really loved that tune, and then sort of tweaked some lyrics to make it into a, a duet that made sense, and uh, I think it was a nice little icing on the cake for this record. She's not an artist I would have associated with you, Miles, really. I mean, but, but... Yeah, no, I know, it's, um, and a lot of people have said that, but it's, uh, it works beautifully, really, yeah. Should we dive back? Yes, yes, let's do, let, I think, you know, part of what we do on this show is find out, yeah. about, you know, how you got to be who you are. Mm. You're from Liverpool, right? Yeah, I'm from the Wirral, which is just across the water. That's the nice bit, isn't it? That's sort of, isn't that a bit fancy? Not where we're from, but there are nice parts, yeah. It's, it's okay, it's nice. I'm not dissing the old town, though. So. Wasn't your first record, the first record you bought was Oasis or something? It, yeah, it will have been. It was like, uh, it would have been What's the Story, Morning Glory. Wow. Or probably prior to that, I probably had two unlimited, no limits. So... <laughs> <laughs> But probably the That's best. That's so funny because for us it's like the Jungle Book or something. Yeah, yeah. Like the the, um, <laughs> the first say proper album. I think I was about ten. That it would have been. What's the story, Morning Glory? Where was the music? Was there music in the house? Yeah, growing up, my mum and my nan and my aunties. Like it's the stuff I love and this, all the stuff we're talking about now. The Motown, Four Tops, Temptations, Diana Ross, Bowie, T Rex. This is my household this is my mum's house and my nan's you know what I mean it was kind of any family gathering or stuff a best of Motown is like the default setting you know or the best of the four tops so this has been with me forever and you know even now if I'm in the house it's my go-to you know people come over whatever I'm on my own I don't even think about it that's my background music or my getting ready music you know because I, I sent you a message when the first track came out and said I could hear Mark Bolan in yeah. there somewhere I, yeah, yeah yeah definitely Mark's so close to what I love because that was my first album was Electric Warrior yeah yeah I mean for him oh, I just his performing and his guitar playing his singing for me he's kind of got it all do you know what I mean that showmanship oh yeah I, I really love you know that's this natural though you know like the, it's not a forced showing off and, and I love that and of course sadly he never had to write songs about growing old you know because that's it he's just he died and he's captured in a bottle almost oh, yeah. I know yeah fantastic did you ever meet him no, I mean, he was he was gone before... Yeah, I mean, long before our time. He's even before our time, Miles, right? <laughs> We're old, but, you know, not... <laughs> I forget, how, when did he die? What was he, 70? It was 77, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it's fucking hell. It's earlier than what I imagine. It's sadly just digressing a bit. You know, he, he had that programme, Mark, on TV, and Bowie did Heroes on there, on the last episode he did. 
And um, Bolan normally sang with the artist, but Bowie said, I want to do Heroes on my own, Mark. Oh, shit. And Mark had bought four bottles of wine for David for his dressing room. Mark goes off to the dressing room and drinks them all. Or drinks a lot of them. Oh, shit. And the last time you ever see Mark on TV, he gets on stage for the end titles with David and they jam. And Mark falls off the stage. Oh, and is that, can you watch that? Is that out there? On YouTube. And he literally falls Uh, off. And I think a few days later he was dead. Yeah. Fuck. It's a very sad ending to such a major career. I know. Terrible, man. Don't go that way, mate. No. (laughs) 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 So, um... (laughs) And so when did your playing start, Miles? What was your way in? My auntie got me like a, a little three quarter length Spanish guitar when I was about 13, because my cousin had one and uh, her son and I was obsessed with his and I'd always play it. And she got me that one Christmas. I think it was about 12, 13. And with that as well, I'd got that What's a Story Morning Glory chord book. And that was the, the start with me. And also... Mate, you should have phoned us up. I could have told you the chords. It's not fine. <laughs> yeah, I should have. <laughs> Probably this, we were doing this then. And also my cousins in, is a yeah. singer in a band called The Coral. So, um, you know, they were heavily into music and they're like older brothers to me. So they were showing me chords, showing me bands and stuff. So they influenced me a lot in terms of putting me on to stuff, you know, like... I remember the super fairy animals we were obsessed All with right. and stuff like that. And we'd get early on, there, there was a, a, quite a bit of that going on as well. I think it's interesting because, you know, talking about our first records being T-Rex and stuff, I always felt that music that I was listening to growing up was coming from the future. Mm. But with Oasis, there was a sense of, for the first time I remember in the kind of evolution of pop music, there was a sense of looking back. Yeah. Suddenly the Beatles were hip again. Yeah. And... That was being your first record. It seems to me that the past opened up. Being an archivist and looking back onto 60s music was something you began with. Yeah, it's mental. And even to this day, I try and make a conscious effort to, like, listen to newer bands. and You know what I mean? Or, or you know, bands in our realm or that are in the same stylistically as us. That but that's why we... it's so interesting, Mars, in that because you had so much that already happened, so much was done, and you had this whole, you know, incredible sort of wonderland of music to play with. And it's just fantastic, especially out of even just that 60s chocolate box. The yeah. way you ended up going was that kind of slightly left-field Scott Walker soundtrack, oh. Serge Gainsbourg thing, out of everything that was on offer, which, is, which seems fantastic. The, the Walker thing had a massive effect on me. Yeah. I, it was that, um, I think it weirdly, not to tap back into Judy Garland, there's something about when I heard the Walker and when he sings Jack Brell, that album, mm-hmm. those, yeah. hearing those unusual lyrics and the sort of the flamboyance of it really turned me on. You know, it's so dramatic, isn't it? Like, if one day I should become... It's like a, it's almost like a West End play, but yeah, yeah. with a rock and roll band. And Massive influence on Bowie. Yeah, you know, exactly, yeah. And it's, it's, def- it's all that, it's the same, in it? You know, you can see he's influenced by that. And that was when we did that first Puppets record, and we made that yeah. about 1920. That was, it was like, wow, imagine a new young band being like that was the blueprint for that album. But hang on, let's not get there yet because uh, Gary and I have both been talking about, we love uh, your, like, The Little Flames. Oh, wow. I mean, oh, it's fantastic. Man. Put your dukes up, John. <laughs> such a brilliant record. If anyone's not heard yeah. it, you know, this is Miles' first band, yeah. you know, you go back and find that track, Put Your Dukes Up, John. There's a brilliant live video of you guys doing it. Wow, thank you. Yeah, I haven't heard that in ages. It's an amazing song, that. 
that would made me I could leave school and I join them. Uh, so from about seventeen to twenty, that's how I learned my craft really. And that was I just joined them as a guitarist. How did you join? One of my friends, well Greg, who was my mate uh, at the time. Uh, well, we are still mates. Him and Joe had joined that band, and they had a, a deal set up. Eva and Matt, the singer and guitarist, they'd had a, a deal with their Delta Sonic, which, was, which, is, which, which had the Coral and the Zootons. And at that time, it was a real sort of scene in Liverpool then, and those bands were doing well. And, you know, I think Sony owned them at the time. It was kind of like a, a real hip label, do you know what I'm saying? And then they were looking for a band, a little Matt and Eva, and they called themselves the Little Flames. So my two mates joined them. They needed another guitarist. And I was desperate to join a band that wanted to be serious, you know, or, or, or that wanted to play all the time. Because in school, I was in bands. And it was just so frustrating because we, we, no one really ever wanted to go and jam or play. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I was awful on guitar, but I wanted to go and play. And we even had, a, in, before Little Flames, we had a practice room in Liverpool and, you know, to get the rent each week for our room, my mum used to drive me to each of the lads' houses to get, I don't know, it was nothing, like five or each, ten or each, to get it to pay the guy, because I, I didn't want to lose this room, but even though we weren't using it, you know. So when I met Matt and Eva and Greg and Joe took me in to have a jam, it changed my life, really. Just the sound of the band, for anyone who hasn't heard them, it's, it's kind of like a Buzzcocks, Susie and the Banshees kind of mm -hmm. feel to it, isn't it? But with really clever lyrics. All that you just mentioned, and the fall and stuff like that, oh, you know, right. it was all this amalgamation of, of that, Jefferson Airplane, you know, it was kind of all that stuff. What happened to Eva? Eva, she did a... She, I think she made a couple of few... A solo record... Uh, but yeah, she's in Liverpool now. I think she's like a lawyer now or something, I heard. So oh, wow. my friend told me. But a fantastic singer, amazing girl. And how did that end? What led to you going to the... Because it was Strange was, Rascals, wasn't it? It or... was, yeah. One, and that's with the two lads that I joined the Little Flames with. And I think what happened was... And it's quite unfortunate. You know what it's like when you're young? We recorded that first album probably over about a two, three-year period. I think the label were getting obsessed with like the hi-hat sound or the drum and it became, you know... Because that like, two years, when you're that age, that's like 10 years to... That's a, a lifetime, yeah, you know, yeah. isn't it? Especially when you're that young. Yeah. And, and to, to think, you've done it, why am I redoing it? And, and it just absolutely zapped the life out of the band, to be honest. And looking back now, it's quite, it's quite sad, really. But that's what happened. And when you're young, you don't have that... You can't step away from it. You're just like, you just get frustrated, do you know what I mean? And then confidences were going down, it was one of those things. But then during all that, I started to write songs. I want to be a front man as well. My confidence was sort of growing as this was crumbling, if that makes sense. That wasn't your initial thing? Your initial, you, you just wanted to play the guitar, was that? I was happy just right. to play guitar. That was all I wanted to do. And then when I started doing the backing vocals and I had the microphone and I started playing a bit, I thought, oh, hang on a minute, I quite like this, you know? I quite like, and then I, I did, want to be the front man then. I want to know where the sort of uh, Arctic Monkeys sort of come into this, where, because obviously there's a similarity in style and lyrics that's going on with, even Put Your Dukes Up, John, was covered by Arctic, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, well, I think it was early days when we were on Delta Sonic and they were on Domino, or they were about to sign with Domino. You know, they were like the two hip labels. 
And I think prior to Put Your Dukes Up John, there was a single called Goodbye Little Rose. And it was on MTV quite a lot, you know, in an indie underground way. And they saw it on TV. And Al absolutely loved that song, Goodbye Little Rose. So when they were doing their first little tour, they asked for us to be on it with them. And it was going to be a dual headline tour where you swap each night. So that's how that started. They saw us and then we wow. started the tour. The first night we went on first and no one really knew any of our tunes and it was all a bit kind of really dark, you know, compared to their tunes or whatever. And then they come on and everyone knew every lyric and it was bouncing and we were like, fuck me, we can't go on after these. But that's at any night, you know what I mean? So it quickly went to us, we'll stick as a support band. It was like the Who and Hendrix at Monterey. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, I'd seen nothing like it. I'm not following you. <laughs> that's how we started our friendship. So we were about sort of, I think probably about 18, then 18, 19. You're the same yeah. age, you and I. Yeah, he's January and I'm uh, March. So, yeah, we're super close. I don't know how long that took, but, you know, with you and Alex, that went deep. So deep, isn't it? You know, that uh, friendship. Oh, mate, I mean, he's like my brother, you know. Yeah, and like, that's we, very we, apparent. We still are, you know. I wonder about that, because you're an only child, aren't you, Miles, as well? And so is he, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something in that, for sure, you know what I mean? And we spoke about that. There's definitely similarities in that and, like, sort of families and stuff. It's a strange thing. Did the last Shadow Puppets come before your first solo record? I've got to get my timeline in my head. Yeah, it did. That came... My solo record was probably about... I was doing the Rascals and the Puppets, and then the first Shadow Puppets one, yeah, that came out before my first solo album, yeah. I found that kind of... Looking back now, it was kind of art. It was... A lot of people had a perspective that you were just clinging on to the coattails of Al, do you know what I mean? At that time, so it took me a while to sort of... I was kind of really paranoid about that for a long time, if that makes sense. No, it makes complete sense. Did James Ford produce the first one? The Puppets record? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From Simeon Disco, who are great. Who are yeah, brilliant. but I guess prior Simeon to Mobile the... Simeon Disco. Yeah. Prior to the Puppets record, I'd done some work on their second Monkeys right. album. I played guitar on a couple of songs. A song called 505, I did. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. We wrote a couple of other tunes that end up being B-sides for them. But that was our first time. Then we did the puppets after that. I think because that was the first time we had worked together and we felt this is a vibe, me and you. like Because that's a massive leap from what you were doing yeah. with the Rascals and even really what, what Alex was doing, really, and going mm. into the maturity of the sound of that first... Yeah, you know, beautiful part. arrangements and stuff. How did that get written? How did you start the writing process? The writing of all that was started just... It was all written to a, just two acoustics, you know, on the sofas, you know, like, or we'd do them even on those tours, early days, dressing rooms, stuff like that. Like uh, the Beatles, we were, like John and Paul. He, he, we were both still living with our mums at the time. I'd go to Sheffield, we'd write in his, his mum's conservatory. He'd come over to mine, we'd write in my mum in the bedroom in my mum's house. That was how those songs were written. We'd have, you know what I mean, that was it. And then we did demos, literally just super rough, like live acoustic, the two guitars, two vocals. That was it. And then we went into the studio in France and with James and we recorded it all, the three of us, in about, it was two weeks. And then 
did all the, the tracks, vocals, everything. We left the, we did some rough arrangements on keyboards for strings, but then Owen Pallet did those arrangements for them, which oh, he, yeah, which fabulous, made took it to another level. Was there, was there sort of a point where you and Alex got out, sort of Melody Nelson, yeah, 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 Coney, Scott Walker, said this is the way. Sound yeah, 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 all that, mate. Yeah. Well. Yes, yeah, the Italian one. Yeah, I haven't heard that in ages. Yeah, with like the girls on the cover. Oh my god, I was obsessed with those records. I've forgotten about them. They're amazing. It's just brilliant. All, all these Italian sort of session musicians trying to be funky and John Barry. Yeah, is just all that stuff fabulous. you've mentioned. Yeah. There's a sense of surrounding yourself with something familiar that is the past, that is your parents, yeah, that is home. When you want to mm. make music like that, you're building this great couch of sound that you and, and Al are going to sit in and. He's obviously really famous for lyrics, and I've never known a writer more than him to come lyric first yeah, totally. into the world. Mm. Was it something you contributed to as well, lyric? Yeah, on any Puppets album, the one, whoever's singing lead, it's more theirs, if that makes sense, kind of thing. Yeah. Like on the first one, like standing next to me is more me. Say my mistakes made for you, more him. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, that's how it's kind of done. And does it naturally divvy itself up? Yeah, like whether yeah. ones I've got half of it or it's pretty much there or he does and then there's definitely ones that have come from nothing. Uh, but it's, I'd say, I mean, lyrically, he is a better lyricist than I am, probably more naturally, but when we do puppets, it's, it's pretty even, like... Like, you know, with the Beatles, that how, you, you know, with, with the co-writes, you can tell the happy bit is Paul and the sad bit is John. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, the worrying, yeah. stressed bits of me, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, whether you've learnt from him or, you know, but your punchy lyrics are really part of what you do now, you know, mm. great, you know, turn of phrase that you have. Mm. Um, I also, I have to say, I mean... I know you might be sitting there thinking how fantastic me and Guy look, but oh, your, your sartorial chops on everything yeah. you've come to expect. When you two, you and Alex are sitting on that sofa in those tracksuits, uh, I mean, I, first time I saw that, I went, fuck, I wish I was in that band. I, yeah, I mean, I designed them tracksuits and got them made by this guy. Yeah, like, Okay, you're just making it worse all, now. All the clothes, <laughs> yeah, like, everything was sort of tailor-made and, like, I'd design them with this guy called Ray Brown. He'd make them, but you know, it was uh, it was all everything down to the it was fine tuned to the max. And everything is with me, especially with clothes as well. It's uh, it's, oh, it's, it's an obsession, like yeah. And it, there's a, there was a sort of like characters that you were playing in a gangster movie that was never made. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Exactly, mate. You know. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Rock on Tours is sponsored by AG1, the daily nutrition supplement. AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 vitamins, minerals, and other vital ingredients like gut-friendly bacteria, antioxidants, and much more. Just one scoop of AG1 daily has all the nutrients you need to support your mental performance, energy levels, heart health, and immune system. To be honest, it's pretty vital stuff for us because when you've got a life on the road and you're short of time or you're too busy to plan and prepare healthy meals, you're getting your podcast together, you're being shouted at and it's just a nightmare. AG1 gives me all the good stuff and helps keep my energy levels where I need, ready for showtime or doing the podcast and with a nice vanilla taste. It keeps me focused, feeling good, feeling healthy with its daily dose of vitamin C and zinc. And it's so easy to use. Just one scoop a day gives me over 70 carefully selected ingredients. Simple. Trusted by Olympians, F1 drivers and the rock on tours. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription. Go to drinkag1.com slash rockonteurs. That's drinkag1.com slash rockonteurs. Check it out. But it's also because you have that thing live. You have that brilliant thing you do live, like when you go head to head, which is an amazing thing, which can actually be viewed in two ways, which is either like it's like this absolute kind of brotherly love or two rutting stags. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I do think there's the element of um, one to the power of two. I mean, you know, like we've spoken about this before, but, you know, the reason the Beatles were so attractive, it was just four blokes all kind of looking the same. I mean, yeah. if one of them had curly ginger hair, it just wouldn't have worked, yeah. would it? And you see you two sort of morphing into each other during the process of the mm. video making. I really loved that video where you're both buried in the sand. Oh, yeah. my, oh my lords, mate. Have you seen that guy? Yeah. And the it, sea is coming in. It was, it was a mental day. That was it in Malibu. They dug the holes and they put coffins, you know, in these holes. So you really immerse yourself in and... We did about 10 takes of that. Remember at the end, we had foil on us, and I was like, oh my God. I'd love to have the coffins ready in case there was a mistake. Yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah, was that part of the insurance? Have the coffins on site, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, mate, but it, it, it was worth it because it's kind of, um, I'd forgotten until you've mentioned that, but yeah, it, it was a cool look, I'm sure. There's an element of bravery when you just say, I'm not in a band anymore, I'm not in the last shadow part, it's the rascals, the little flames. I'm just Miles Kane. Yeah, it took me a while to make that decision, especially, and it was because it was kind of, that was like a crossroads. And it was kind of like to go on your own and to start that journey. And so, you know, when you're young, yeah, like it was, I was the bad guy for a bit, definitely. You know what I mean? Because I'm leaving the rascals, I'm leaving the lads back home. I was moving to London. So it was kind of like, you were definitely getting called for everything for a bit, but you know what I mean? So it was, but that's, it was my choice. I, I knew I had to, and I knew I had to get out and I knew I had to sort of try this new path. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. But I, I thought about it for a long time and there was just something in me that, it was hard, it was hard to do. Cause that was all I knew. That's my little click, you know what I mean? As well, and it had been for years, so. It was, a, it was a tough decision, but touch wood, mate, it was, it was the right one. Well, yeah, you seem to be going pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. 
did you have a mentor that sort of would have said to you, I mean, it might have been your manager or was it Alex, who said, no, you know what, just put your neck out there. And yeah. I know other people have complained, but... Well, for them, people, you'd say that, yeah. And I remember at that time as well, I'd, I became friends with Serge from Kasabian as well. All right. And we'd met early doors, and I remember calling him, and he really encouraged me, and we're really close now, but at that time, he really encouraged me, and definitely my manager and, and, um, and Al as well, yeah, they were... They said, you know, stick your neck out, as you say. And once you decided to do it on your own, did you already have, like, a group of people that you wanted to work with? You knew... Did you have a shape for it? No, not really. It took me a while to sort of... I didn't get confident as well, do you know what I mean? I sort of... I felt a bit... That's why it took quite a while to get that first album sort of done, in a way. And I just signed to a major as well. I signed to Columbia. So that was all new. And it took me a while to get all those songs together. You had Noel came in and played on it as well, uh, which is uh, it's like me having Mark Boland play on my foot. Yeah, I know, amazing. <laughs> and uh, when I look back, it's like anything like that, especially meeting Noel and Liam and that. And God, it, yeah, it was, <laughs> it's mental, mate. I know, and I remember we'd met a couple of times and I think we'd hung out and I was mixing the album and I think I'd sent him a couple of the tunes and he liked that My Fantasy or I just asked him, cheekily I was like oh do you want to sing on one or something and he picked that one and he came down and just and did the harmonies when we were mixing it you know what I mean in, in Metropolis um, mad mad how it all happens man also what's interesting I guess for us old lags is that your whole solo career has all happened in the streaming world in the sort of post buying music world so is that working out it's weird you say that my first album I was still clinging a bit into onto that one. Like, you know, you, you'd sell sort of records. Um, and then now, you know, it, it's hard, isn't it? Even, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know how many will sell on this one, but if you're not selling like hundreds of thousands. Yeah, but you moved to LA and parted and everything. You're clearly doing, <laughs> <laughs> something's working. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I spunked all that up the wall, mate, I tell you, <laughs> fucking hell. Guy, it's interesting you say that because obviously Arctic famously became famous through MySpace. You know, this was there with the that's first right. internet. That's right. Band. Yeah. Was that your sort of approach as well? I didn't even have the internet until I was nineteen, man. I didn't even have a computer. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't even understand that MySpace thing, to be honest. And I was we were never on that stuff. Um, I don't know, but yeah, with the streaming stuff, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I wish you were selling records. Well, you don't have to wait to see how successful you are. That's the thing. You put out an album, and it's not like you chart. It's like you have to wait for a year to see how many people have listened to it and how many <laughs> I <know>. times. <laughs> I know what you mean, mate. Yeah. I know. The other connection, we spoke about all the Scott Walker and Serge Gainsbourg and stuff, but there's a there's this other Americana thing that's yeah. in your music as well. There's there's a sort of surf's up style guitar, the Roy Orbison type guitar. Richard Hawley, obviously, is the master oh, wow, yeah. of this, you know. Has he come into your life at all? Yeah, I absolutely love Richard Hawley, yeah. And I remember one, it was a story, when you're young, you know, like, I, I, was, I was early 20s, and it, we were, I think he'd done a gig in Liverpool. I think he was 40 at the time. I was like, oh, I've got my album, I want to do this, I want to do this in the year, I want to do this in the year. Really eager, and he said, son... He said, take your time, look at me. I'm 40 and I've just figured it out. And I was like, oh, whatever, whatever. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> 35. I was like, I'd take where you were then. Now, anytime, man. 
Um, and Hawley, for me, he's one of my heroes. I absolutely love him. Yeah. He always said, don't rush your career. And uh, he, he was totally right. Yeah. But, well, the one thing that is funny is because, you know, we live in a world where the Rolling Stones are touring at sort of coming up for 80. We now know that rock and roll can be a whole life career. Which no one ever knew, you know. No, but it's yeah. like, that's fine. It's that, that whole, what do you do when you turn 30 thing is gone. I mean, I, remember, I thought the world had ended when I turned 30. Me too, yeah. yeah I sure. thought by mid-20s it was yeah. over. You know yeah. what I mean? I know. Yeah, it's mad. But uh, yeah, all those guitarists so you, you, you mentioned there, Gary, like, I, I um, like Link Ray is my favourite guitarist oh, ever. Yeah, yeah. Rumble's one of the greatest things ever recorded. Also, Will Sargent, Echo and the Bunny Men, that sort of, Surf, Spy, Batman, yeah. Riff thing. The Ventures, you know, Armand Flint, that world is what... Armand oh, Flint, wow. Is what made me play the way I play, you know. You had an involvement with Will, didn't you? Or wasn't there something, wasn't right. there some mentoring involved or something? Yeah, I think we, yeah, we did something together. There was this little film made and we did a cover of all that jazz it was. And I think, did yeah, I think he played on it with us or something. Or we, we've done things together, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just put because obviously I did play for Echo and the Bunnymen. Just oh really? Yeah, um, I did an album and a tour. Oh them, yeah. wow, amazing! <laughs> what what album is that? It's what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It's that. Oh wow, mid nineties. Right, amazing. Recorded up a past past street. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I like that you're sort of connected. There's this definitely this Northern Mafia, isn't there, guy? This kind of I mean, Sheffield, Liverpool, Manchester scene of kind of of loving the 60s as well. <laughs> and I was really glad to see that actually you got to work with a good, honest Londoner and you did some stuff with Paul Weller. Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, you know, Wellers, I guess we were talking about mentors before, but, you know, yeah, like, I've known Paul probably for about 10 years now and, and yeah, advice he's given me and stuff and, and the way he's been there for me has been amazing and we've done stuff together and we're good friends now and Paul's always... I felt like he's always had me back, uh, and it's sort of a, he sort of handpicked me to sort of work with him. And um, what does that mean? Go on, how, how did he handpick you? On my first record, do you think he'd mentioned in an interview who do you want to write with? And he said my name, and then it, that's how it happened. And then I remember meeting him as well at I think it was like a radio christmas xfm thing we were doing it acoustic and he brought with him this book of um it was like 60s men's fashion and it had this french singer called jacques dutron in it because i was doing a cover of this jacques dutron song at the time and he brought it to show me he said wow. he was a bit of a french mod and they had suit and he goes you like this fella don't you and i was fucking speechless probably went red and high pitched again i was like yeah and um and then that's how our sort of friendship happened, yeah. And he's absolutely the best. I can't, I've got nothing but praise for Paul, like... Because actually, talking of that, by the way, because you're blessed with a name which sounds like a 60s movie spy. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? It's like... Got a bit of a spy is, thing going today, actually, with the milk yeah, tray, yeah, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, no, but you've got the chain, which is more beatnik, so... Yeah. <laughs> he is Citizen Kane, after all, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I think what guys alluded to as well is the style. You know, style yeah. is so important. We spoke about that earlier, and obviously Paul Weller, uh, you know, who's a man who's, who loves his clothes. He felt an affiliation, probably. But how do you sit down and write with someone like Paul? Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, whenever we've done that, he's so encouraging. It's almost like, you know, like it, it, it's kind of like any nonsense you're coming out with or wrong note or whatever, 
is so sort of calm and lets you or will push you in the right way or say or you say you're doing the lyrics you'll just be over your shoulder and you'll just write all the gibberish and he really lets you try your shit and there's no sort of pressure and anything that we have done it's come out good, you know. I, I love mean, in the Get Back film, Guy, don't you? You know, when, when they're just singing gibberish and Mal Evans having to write everything. Yeah, yeah. And Paul's actually asking Mal for suggestions. Now, that'll be a third of the publishing, absolutely. No, it, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. breathe in the same room as someone, you've got to be 50%. Change a word, take a third, as they yeah. say. <laughs> When you sit down on opposite chairs with Paul Weller, because I know I've been in those situations myself, and you bring something along, and yeah, no, you show me yours first. No, you show me yours yeah. first. Yeah. What did you have the balls to show him yours? Yeah, probably some e minor thing. God knows. Yeah, like um, it's mental in it. I know it's kind of like um, yeah, it's almost like a western. It's like a standoff, <laughs> isn't it? It's like the before you pull your guns out. You know what I mean? It's and it's nerve wracking, isn't it? But. And once it just starts flowing and you start... Oh, shit, he's got the epiphone. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's like, fuck, he's got his Rickenbacker on top of the pops and fucked, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's... Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's cool, man. And, um, and you're going out on tour, right? Yeah, we're going out in May, the album tour. I mean, things you've got such a lovely sort of sax-heavy album and everything. I mean, are you taking a big band or...? Joao's coming with me, yeah. Oh, great. Um, so we've got... I think we're going to do it as about six-piece. And we've got Holly, who did all the the BBs and oh, right. and the soul sort of backing vocals on the tune. She's coming with us. So there'll be about six of us. And we were just in this thing, you know, like... Um, they're about doing having track or not having track and I don't want to do track let's explain to the listeners so, sorry the listeners like yeah. you know like when you obviously you make an album say like what I have and there's the kitchen sinks on it you got a load of horns you know to do that live properly you'd probably need like a 10 12 piece band or whatever so you can mask it by you play along to backing track as well so you'll have your yeah do it do it do it I mean, listen, do I do hate it. to tell the audience, but a lot of people do do that now, you know? Oh, I mean, a lot. everyone does it, really. Everyone no one it. really knows. Also, it's because it's not fair on a sax player to ask him to, to be a section. He just It's just not a Yeah, good exactly, him. exactly. So, or we just do a rock... It's, you know, it's just a bit more of a gnarly version or something, so... After talking to you, Miles, and everything about your style and the dress and, and all that stuff and your love of Motown and everything... Mm. I hope that at least that there will be steps. <laughs> <laughs> so at, least a, at least a shadows move or kind of like. I've, I've never seen you live, Miles, but I've seen you, you, you put uh, stuff up on Instagram. You've got a great Instagram site. I really love it, actually. That uh, It's a bit of a go-to for wondering what jumpers are out there at the moment. <laughs> Fucking hell, yeah. You're not wrong there, Gary. Jesus. I've got my nan knitting me a Pringle. <laughs> But I've seen you playing live on film and yeah. you've got a great show and a great crowd and you've got so much energy on stage. It means so much to me and I absolutely, and, and, and I love it so much, Gary. It's the best thing in the world for me, you know. Uh, and you'll have to come to, when we've got the Roundhouse in May, I'd love you to come down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd love to meet you. Yeah, no, the Roundhouse is, is a, we're very fond of the Roundhouse. We did quite a few shows there with Nick Mason a couple yeah. of years ago. Because of course, Pink Floyd opened the Roundhouse in 1966. Wow. 
because we do a kind of we're involved in, in a kind of psychedelic music ourselves and one of the words that cropped up when i was doing some research for you Mark, was was scalidelica which i've never heard <laughs> before <laughs> is that is what's described as my music you come from a scalidelica world that's amazing that's Who I want to come from a Scally Delica. Scally Delica has got to be my merch T-shirts on that tour. I mean, is it, I suppose Ian Brody's a little bit involved. Yeah, and that's Ian's. Yeah, he yeah. produced my second album. Ian, don't forget who you are. I love Ian. Because he's a great guy, and I met him a oh, long time ago. Yeah, you'd, you'd really get on. Yeah, how do you bounce around between producers, you know? Would you not think, oh, I owe you another album, or...? Yeah, I know, um... Definitely with Ian, we, me and him for sure. He's making a new record. I'm going to go down to his in a couple of weeks and do some BVs for him on his. He's got a new solo record he's working on. And I definitely would do more with Ian for sure. But I know what you mean. It's kind of those, when you're in those scenarios, because, you know, when you're making an album with a producer or with someone, when I'm in it and it, you, you feel like, ah, oh, I just want to do this forever with this person now because it's comfortable. It's just mad how it sort of changes, really. Yeah, but it's important to do what you do. And I like that kind of... Yeah. I think the best artists... I mean, look at Bowie. Christ, he would just move on and move on and move on. Yeah. Endlessly. And the best artists do do that. You know, they, mm. they don't keep someone in just because, you know... It's comfortable. While the rest of us sit in the wake, taking it all terribly personally. God, did you tell me people have moved on from you, have they, really? Because <laughs> if they have, I'd like to talk to them. But, uh, you know, and I think that's part of what uh, maturity of an artist saying, I need to challenge myself with someone new in the room. Like yeah. you making those demos, and instead of just going back to Ian, you know, you went to those guys in, uh, you know, sunglasses. In Hackneywick, yeah, 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 totally. A hundred percent. And, and it, to do that, you do have to consciously push yourself, don't you? Because it's easy just to be like, oh, you know, yeah, it's, it's comfortable. Yeah, this yeah. works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think, guys, fair enough to say we would like Alex Turner on this show, wouldn't we? And if you get... Oh, a, my God, yes, yes. And if you get a chance... Yeah. Tell him how good we are, mate. I will do. Don't you worry. I've seen him this week, so I'll drop it in for you, boys. And it's been a pleasure having you on, mate. Yeah, of course, because I spoke to Johnny Marr about it yesterday. So he did a couple of shows with you, right? And he, he had nothing but kind of absolute praise. Oh, mate, thank you so much. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'd love to meet you in real life, and we'll have a drink sometime. Yeah, good luck with the album. Brilliant. Change the show. Cheers. Thank you so much, fellas. Thanks, Take care. Mark. Thanks for your time, Mark. Lovely to talk to you. See you later. Ta-ra, ta-ra. Ball of energy. Brilliant. Oh, the great energy. I mean, mate, do you know what yeah. it was? It actually, that kind of energy makes me say goodbye to you and pick up my guitar. I think, you know, music is what we do for a living. What do you mean goodbye to me? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> forever, love. Of course. <laughs> hey, didn't we? We had a nice week this week, didn't we? We also, we did a new photo session for a... We did, yes. We, yes. Well, yes, so there'll be a nice, shiny new thing to look at on your phone. Rock on Turner's <laughs> podcast artwork with a more yeah. updated version of us. Yeah, although after talking to Miles, I'm kind of worried that we need to upgrade our wardrobe now. I love people who are into the whole package. You know? and yeah. To me, that was always so important. It was, and you were in a mod band at the beginning, weren't you? That's a, well, exactly, yeah. And you've always been a yeah. man of uh, interest in... Well, you, you like clothes too, don't you, can't. I do like clothes. You prefer yeah, to wear I them like to this. not wear them when you go out. Exactly, yeah, give them the choice. <laughs> Thank you to all of you, our listeners, for uh, 
jumping on this podcast every week. We've got some great followers out there and we, we really respect and appreciate all of your comments. Yes, that's a very good point. We really appreciate you. So thank you very much and stick with us. Yeah. We love you. So we'll be back next week with someone else exciting. And uh, till then, it's good night from me. And good night from them. Thank you.